Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I am Blake Fisher. I'm joined by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons, and we're a little late because somehow the stomach bug moved from Oklahoma City to Austin, <laughs> Texas to get both Kyle's kids sick and Chris's. Uh, we're hoping mine stay not throwing up because, um, unfortunately, I'm the throw-up parent, so I don't want to have to deal with it. Um, anyway, uh, this is uh, our podcast, and thanks for being here. And uh, today we're talking about... Tom DeLonge's second non-Blink-182 side project, Angels and Airwaves, their first debut album entitled We Don't Need to Whisper from 2006. And Chris is going to tell us about this album, which I'm sure this front part is going to be loaded with all sorts of fun stuff, right? Yeah, I've got paragraphs here. I'm going to try <laughs> not to get too in the weeds. Um, okay, start at the beginning. 2005 Blink-182 breaks up Not really a breakup An indefinite hiatus um, Arguments about the future They basically invented that, right? It's worse because we didn't know what it was And now everyone uses that Yes, it was super scary It's like, what does that mean? (laughs) Um, Anyway, go on Yo, Hoppus and Barker were definitely dismayed By the decision Um, Well, basically He kind of said Tom had kind of said he wanted a half year off and it just kind of evolved into rehearsals for a benefit concert and, you know, heated exchanges. Words were said. Um, we all remember it. I think it was Dave Navarro who broke the news. If I remember oh, correctly, wow. it was a Dave Navarro tweet or an interview. It wasn't he a was tweet. Like, I think Blink-182 just broke up. Oh, yep, fair, <laughs> fair enough. It was Dave Navarro, though, I think that was in an interview. Was like, I think I heard yeah. Blink-182 just broke up back there. Like, um, I don't know why I remember that, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, so in February, 2005, he officially departed Blink-182, um, and, uh, after a bit of time, um, announced Angels and Airwaves, a new project. Now, here's where things get interesting. Um, if you were alive at this time, you may remember that there was, um, a bit of hubris, uh, a tinge <laughs> of ego, in some of the mm-hmm. things that uh, Mr. D. Long uh, said about this album, <laughs> so <laughs> some of the words uh, phrases uttered were, um, "This would be the greatest rock and roll revolution for this generation." <laughs> In October of the same year, he said, "We don't need to whisper." Would compete with the greatest rock records of all time. Um, also said, "Imagine if you were in a jet plane soaring through the clouds." That's what it sounds like. And that the first I record was about an idea that you can see yourself differently in the world. You might actually change the world around you. He believed, of course, he was going to change the world with this record. Part of the reason he got interested in doing this project, he had uh, been on the campaign trail with John Kerry and started to believe that uh, he needed to use his art to make a difference and you know, you know to do something big in the world. Can we stop um, right there for one second and sure. talk about how asinine it is that John Kerry inspired anything? <laughs> I mean, like, this is not exactly, come on, like, that's such a weird. Can I, can I, can I share a quote from, from, from John John Kerry's, uh, the moment he was, or from the days that he was following John, John Kerry around, he he said he had an epiphany after hanging out with John Kerry. This is another great quote. Uh, the epiphany lasted for a few weeks and, uh, my heart was beating every day and I was really looking at the world differently. I was going, I'm really meant for something special. You know, aside from being in the biggest rock and roll band on the planet. <laughs> right. 
That's what I. Oh, that's what always baffled me. I'm like, like you already had the the best platform to. Uh, anyway, biggest freaking you, band in the world. Right, right. If you wanted to talk to the kids, you had them all. Anyway, I'll probably go on for hours about that. Um, he taught himself to play a bunch of new instruments. Um, started recording at Never Pants Ranch in San Diego, his his home uh, studio that he created. Um, I, it took a, a bit of time to create. Uh, album recording actually took place from March 2005 to April 2006. Record was finally released on May 23rd, 2006. It featured himself and uh, let's see if I can remember that. Adam Adam Willard on drums, excellent drummer. Um, uh, boxcar uh, racer guitar player David Kennedy yeah. and Ryan Sin, um, who uh, was having a little trouble committing to the band, and DeLong offered him a job at Macbeth Footwear's uh, warehouse um, so that he would finally fully commit to the band. Band members put forth several sayings and rules, most importantly, Family and friends first, band second. So obviously some hard feelings about Blink-182, feeling like they were working too hard and uh, didn't put uh, family first. Mark Hoppus, who of course has just been through many uh, tumultuous uh, relationships, seven or eight marriages. Oh, no way. He's still married to his original wife <laughs> as a loving family. <laughs> Seemed like maybe we're getting some mixed messages. Now, Barker is a different story, but you know. He's Travis Barker. He's now married. Yeah. But he actually. wasn't married at the time, right? Barker wasn't married yet, right? Or even yeah, he right, was but divorced I, already. Yes, I from uh, Shannon Moniker. What yeah. was her name? I couldn't yeah. remember the time. I don't pay that much attention. Mm-hmm. I only learned that he just got married to a Kardashian like from my wife. So <laughs> I'm not well, into the... I don't know. That happened... Uh, well, you're podcast tweeted about it. I figured you would have known by that. Well, that's all you. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. To be fair. <laughs> Um, I, I was mostly just bringing up not the the relationship. You know, a lot of rock bands, right? Uh, have have a, a lot of problems with relationships. You know, seven, eight wives. Billy Joe's got like what five wives? I don't know. There's a lot of them. It's though. a lot. It's a um, lot. These guys all seem like they were pretty close with their families, and I, I know like Mark would bring his family out on the road. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you never know. So, um, part of the creation of this album was to create a whole like media enterprise with um, you know, the tour and a movie. I don't, I, I was, I, I could never really figure out if the movie actually happened for this album. Kyle, do you know? So there was like an animated feature or excuse me, an animated short, not, not a feature film. Um, and I remember seeing it, but also I remember being like, this is, is this what he was talking about? <laughs> I think we said that about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the that I think that's what that's what I remember about this album coming out was all the hubris involved <laughs> in it and just yeah. going like and I'm a big Blink-182 fan. I was devastated when they went on their indefinite hiatus. I I was very bummed about it. But mm-hmm, at the same mm-hmm. time, I was like I, I would have been excited about a, a Tom DeLong thing. What, what came next? But like, there was just yeah. so much like, I just, anyone that's like, my music's going to change the world. I just feel like there is, it never does. Who's ever said that about an album. And then it, it was true. I just, and maybe it does sometimes, but I don't know. Very rarely when it's spoken beforehand, usually the art speaks for itself in public. Like in yeah. in the press, it and I think I, I'm fine with being proud of your stuff, like all for it. But oh, yeah, like, yeah. 
um it did it felt like too much and and yeah it felt like he was like trying to do this multimedia everything thing before that's still not really a thing i mean no one no one's really ever successfully done that other than maybe like you know there's been a couple things like you know rattle and hum by u2 was like a a a, a sort of documentary film that kind of had an album that went along with it, but it was mostly the live performances from that documentary that right. it was. Ooh. I mean, it wasn't like a movie and a film or a movie. Interesting and choice. And, yeah. Talking about you too. Well, yeah. no, yeah. I mean, that was just, that was the, yeah, that was a little too on the nose. Probably maybe. the last time we'll talk about them today. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like that, that was definitely the thing that caught my ear. It was all, all of that could not there's this album could not have lived up to the hype that he built up in my opinion kind of like what what would have had to have been well and 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 like how could we have possibly let's say that he pulled it off swimmingly okay how could we have anticipated at the time what he was promising what that would what that was going to look like you know like yeah films books and, and was it and like a band that'll change the world? It's like what what are you what are you even talking about? What I'll, is that? I'll tell you how much he changed the world. Um, my my cousin lives behind me in my in my garage apartment, and they're outside with a fire pit, and they're both. It's my cousin's husband and his friend are out there by the fire pit. I was like, oh, it smells wonderful uh, with my windows open. But they're younger than us. Uh, they're mm-hmm. born in '98 probably, and they were like, who? <laughs> angels on airways <laughs> so you know i realized they were like five and six or whatever or i guess they were eight about when this came out but like it didn't change the world like just like that bar did not get um <laughs> that that goal did yeah. not get hit i don't think yeah. um but good for him for being inspired to try i guess but maybe don't talk about it as much next time let fun. others let others give you that uh title yeah Pay off someone at Rolling Stone to write it about you for all I care. I mean, that's yeah. fine. Anyway, go on, Chris. You've, pro- you've probably got more. I just had to interject. No, no. That's that's really my spiel. I mean, I, I, I figured there would be some discussion at this point <laughs> since, you know, I, me and Kyle, before you jumped on, we were even talking about this. And Kyle Kyle has some items to share or some things he might t- like to bring up. Oh, uh, Kyle, please do. Touch on. I'm ready to talk means. more about this. Well, so honestly, Chris, you kind of you kind of pulled some of the best quotes from from it. But like I I found on Blink 182 archive pictures from the alternative press uh, articles about angels and airwaves. And he's just saying ridiculous things. Also, it's I just remember because it's all about hype. This record is hype. That's what it was. And that's what I'll always remember it for. But like, not only did he change his sound and he started the best band the world had ever heard or so he claimed, but like he started wearing leather motorcycle jackets and had like the quintessential emo haircut suddenly. Mm -hmm. And it was just weird. Like what's going on. And part of me had like this small hope. I'm I'm kind of like segueing straight into my <laughs> my my pre-first impression here. But part of me had this small hope that like guys, maybe he's going to do it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> no, I think we maybe all did. This is going to be no the doubt. most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I think that 
Uh, well, that's funny that you called it a pre-first impression because that really is a good way to, <laughs> yeah, to it discuss is, yeah. what, what happened is because like he kind of like he built up way, way too much. Like he said, he couldn't have possibly reached the, the bar that he was trying to set for himself uh, or at least tell us all that he was setting for all of us, you know. Um, and it's just it. I mean, I get that it's like, um, but that like. There's so much weird, like the John Kerry stuff is even weird to me because that's 2004. This is like two years later. I would think some of that would have worn off. Like no one, no, no one was that enthusiastic about John Kerry in 2004, what? which is why he didn't win. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like he was about the most boring, I mean, like milk toast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just, which like fine for him, but I mean, although, I mean, I, I, I think he's a whatever but i mean it just like it just didn't make any sense to me like i would get like barack obama makes sense to me i get why people are inspired by him in 2008 like he is like a good speaker a smart guy all it's like list all the things that he is that john Kerry isn't so just so funny that that like made the wikipedia page and i found i i remember that too from back then too about him just being so jazzed about um so but but what's weird about that to me, Blake, because I agree with you, super weird, and all of these claims super weird. And even though Angels and Airwaves is not the this is not the best record the world has ever heard, like he no. claimed that it would be. At the same time, this dude started this to the stars academy, which also didn't make any sense and thought I would thought it was totally stupid. And he's more independently wealthy from that than he was from Blink-182. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. That's impressive. It's insane. So, like, he did in... Like, he has pulled off, uh, you know, something that no one's ever pulled off before and what he's doing with that. And, like, every time I hear it brought up, I'm like, this is so freaking weird. Like, I mean, all of the all of the UFO, the UAP videos that are coming out are people that work for Tom DeLonge right now. Mm-hmm. So freaking weird. There, I, there. This is going to be a weird. <laughs> this is going to be a weird connection, and this is me totally speculating. But it always seemed to me that, and that there was something just at this point, like that Tom got super weird, right? It was almost like, oh yeah, and LSD. Yeah, well, I mean, it felt, it felt ayahuasca. It did not feel. Um, it didn't feel totally him does that make sense i felt like there was either drugs involved or or (laughs) mental illness i mean and i'm not like trying to like disparage but i am like or but like aliens the the alien stuff combined with i'm gonna be in the biggest band i mean do you know what it sounds like it sounds like kanye west is what it sounds like 100 percent. you you know what i mean he mentions that in uh the article that you just shared with me kyle the ap article like he 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 openly talks about in this article that came out at this time that yeah all my friends have been really worried about me my family like i'm having like a mental breakdown like you couldn't be it might not be far off fish. That's I, I, might be what's going on. And keep in on. mind, I don't know him at all. I don't know anyone that even remotely knows him. Just like looking at the way he's talking about himself in the press, and and it was a combination of all of that combined. Well, where oh, I well, just so, was like, "There's something weird going on here." No, I, I'm like I'm like ninety percent certain. I didn't look. I, I didn't pull any of this up, but I'm like ninety percent certain that he did late in later years admit to like a pill addiction during this time. So oh, like really? he was, yeah. So yeah. like he was definitely. So that makes more was, sense to me because he was vibing, right? I mean, like I've, I've unfortunately known people with, you know, addictions or 
and or mental illness and or combination of both of them. And, and a mm-hmm. lot of what he was saying sounds like stuff that you're just kind of like, you know, delusions of grandeur and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And who knows? I'm that's maybe wrong of me to speak of, Leave, of leaving the biggest band in the rock band in the world saying you're starting the biggest rock. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's weird. Right. I mean, that's a weird thing yeah. to say. Like, yeah. I mean, they, he was already in the, I mean, uh, pretty much one of the biggest bands in the world right. for sure. I mean, and <laughs> it was just, that, that all felt really weird to me, but I was willing to give it a shot like a hundred percent. And I did. Um, so I think that's probably a good transition to let's talk about those first impressions of the actual album after hearing all this stuff for, by the way, a while. I mean, we, they, he was talking about Angel, Angels and Airs Waves, I feel like, for a, a while before mm-hmm. the album actually came out. And sometimes talk, you can, talk, 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 talk. Sometimes yeah. it's like too much time uh, passes. Um, to, but let's talk about it. So, Kyle, let's let's go to you first. Let's. Uh, what were your? We know we've talked about our pre-first impressions, but actually, once this album comes out, uh, w- what are your thoughts? Okay, I'm I'm going to preface it with something. Pre-preface. Pre-preface. <laughs> yes, I do. like Angels and Airwaves. I like them. Me too. Okay, that out of the way. My first impression was I was scared maybe that there was something I was missing and didn't <laughs> understand. <laughs> you like, thought it was too high concept that you were too dumb to well, figure it out? Well, like, it's like, it's like, what? What do you guys think about it? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I wondered, like, is this as good as he said it was? And and I just don't get it. Um, and and also, that's not to say that I didn't grow to love some of these songs. Um, but but as far as the hype machine that was Tom DeLong during the year leading up to this release. Yeah, dude, I, I was it was like some emperor's new clothes stuff. Like I, yep. I, I really was like, did, am I missing something? Is there something I don't understand? And I, I was telling Chris, this was another one that got leaked and I had a copy. I'm a terrible person. It probably wasn't mine. It was probably a <laughs> this probably happens a all the time, by the way, um, that you were like, but, but like we listened it. to it collectively in a car. And I remember thinking, no, this isn't the album. This isn't it. You know, like, so my first impression, my first initial impression was this is not the greatest band in the world. I do not feel like I am flying in a jet plane. Um, it was disappointment. Chris, and what, I was pissed because he quit my favorite band. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the disappointing thing is that Blink-22 makes an amazing album in their mm-hmm. uh untitled album yeah if that's the official way we're talking about it and um and so i'm really excited about what comes next and pretty soon after that album comes out they i guess it's a couple years or whatever but um you know they do their indefinite hiatus thing and you're like oh that's such a bummer um and so i'm excited about this but yeah anyway chris uh, what what were your thoughts when the album finally comes out in 2006 i don't know if i could possibly say anything different it's i mean my story is almost exactly like kyle's except yeah. i'm pretty sure we bought it and listened to it in the van of either a target or a best buy i remember I this remember. i don't I remember mean, I, where that, it was i remember being in the but van you know what though. i'm talking about right mm-hmm. it was it, yes that but i mean that that's how big of an impression the moment i put this album and made on me i remember the moment we listened to it like what spits it but i can see i can see the parking lot it was daytime it was may um i remember popping it in just 
I'd never heard anybody say anything about a piece of music they were making before. And I had no reason to doubt him. You know, it was like, it was he like, always delivered. You always delivered, dude. I mean, all, you know, all the greatest moments of my life, your music was the soundtrack. I'm sure that you wouldn't, you know, you steer me wrong here. This, this is, I'm, this first song is going to change my life. And then it was just like pads and Blink 182 chords. I was like, okay, it's good. But I'm just, I'm with you, Kyle. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just not. Yeah, I'm just like looking at the other guys in the van, like, and they're, and we're all like nodding our heads, like, it's almost, it was totally Phantom Menace. It was just like the Phantom Menace. Like, this is good, right? I've been waiting a long time. This is, this is good, right? I was going to do, I was going to do a Batman versus Superman uh, comparison. Oh, man. Because the Zack Snyder, yeah. Tom DeLong energy is real similar. Similar. Um, but yeah, that's a good example of like, we were, I think we were all excited, but I was nervous. I definitely, I was like, I, I, with all the hype that he was giving it, I was just like, there's no way it's going to live up to that. It's just not possible. Um, but I was open to it. I remember, I remember just being not impressed almost at all. I remember being like, there's a couple good songs on it, but I just remember like, I remember thinking, and I kind of felt this way already that Mark and Tom were great together and not apart. I just think mm. they had a magic that worked oh, when they were together that plus 44 and boxcar racer already. I liked. Okay. But never anywhere near what I thought the two of them did together. Uh, well, and this felt like that. It felt like Tom by himself, uh, just doesn't quite. It's like, you can hear all his stuff that he does and you're like, yeah, I get it. And it sounds like Tom, but it's missing something. And I think it was missing Mark. I mean, that's just my, it just seems yeah. like that part was missing. So, and I, but I liked that he tried to make it different. I mean, I was, I was very much into like, let's go all in on this dotted eighth delay stuff. Uh, I liked that the drums were not trying to be like Barker at all. Yeah. Like, I, I absolutely. And I remembered specifically you and I talked about that, Chris, we were like, that's the smartest thing he could do. And this was before the album came out. It was like, don't, try to get a drummer that's going to be like Barker. Like the best thing a drummer could do is come in there and be like, no, I'm going to do my thing. And he really, he absolutely like embraced the Larry Mullins junior style U2 drumming yes. on this, which exactly. is perfect for it. And it's great. And I love the drums on this actually. And that was one of my, yeah, that was the one of the things that great. I was like, Hey, I like that he went different. I like that he learned some new instruments and have some like pianos and that toy piano and stuff. I liked that he was going there, but the, what didn't work for me <laughs> right off the bat. And we'll talk as we get into the track by track too. I'll talk some more about this, but it was like, um, it was very much like a first band's album, except that this guy's a multi-platinum artist and there's all this hype around it and he's hyping it up and, and all the press is talking about it. If this was any, if this was a brand new band that came on the scene that you'd never heard of, I think we would have been a lot more impressed by this album. Does that, yeah, I don't think yeah. we would have been singing That's its fair. praises as it being amazing, but I yeah. think it was a combination of it wasn't as good as the other stuff he'd done, and it felt very new. Like it felt like all the keyboard sounds sound like he just got a hold of a Yamaha motif and workstation <laughs> and like picked yeah. a pad and played it like that's what it sounds like and to be fair if you're just learning about keyboards and synthesizers that's where you would be in the in the skill level although i would have had a producer that knows more about that stuff help me like shape those sounds a little bit more probably but um you know that he that, produced it himself right but that's the problem he produced mm. it himself <laughs> so he doesn't even have anyone to tell him like really i mean i know there's three other guys that are recording it with him i doubt 
I doubt they have veto power over if Tom thinks oh. it's a good idea. Um, no, I and, think Mark Hoppus is the only person that ever had veto power on him. Yeah, uh, and I, and then he left the band. <laughs> yeah, so it just it, it was, and the high concept of it did not work for me at all. Like him talking about it's going to be all this stuff. I was like, no, it just sounds like kind of bad Tom DeLonge lyrics for the most part. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And so it just it would have been so cool if he Beyonce'd it and just like said like yeah I'm working on an album and then the day it came out just like album Ooh. movie it's all out and like yep. he didn't talk it all up yeah that would have been I think a better strategy for sure but you know if I if I take away all of the hype if I take away all of his talking about it and all of the stuff that I didn't buy into that made me worried about it I would say I would be like hey I like it and I'm uh but I didn't. I still found myself basically attracted to a few songs on it and a lot of the rest of it ran together and it sounded a little too much alike, like throughout the record. But I mean, spoiler alert, I mean, we're jumping kind of forward ahead, but like, I think he found the right sound for the band eventually. Like I like this band. I think they have a lot of good records, but it just wasn't there. It wasn't that refined on the first one. And I think he would have been better off just releasing this not hyping it up to the level he did. I think it might've been more successful even, but, um, and I think it's like, um, so, I mean, that's us dogging a lot on it, but I will say my first impression, some things I did really like about it that I remember, because I do remember same thing being in that van with you. I couldn't remember where it was, but I remember being in the van with you listening to it and talking about it. Um, I didn't like, Tom DeLonge's not a great guitarist. I don't think he would even say he's a great guitarist, but he certainly has like a style. And mm-hmm. I appreciated that like that style kind of got to evolve on this album. We didn't get as much of it on Blink-Way 2 because Blink-Way 2 is more of like a direct into the amp. We're either clean or we're distorted kind of thing. Um, but that some of the styles that you start seeing evolve on that self-titled or untitled Blink-Way 2 album like come over to this and are a little bit more evolved and he gets into using effects and stuff. And I really like that. I actually think he's got a unique style that you can be like, that's Tom DeLonge. Uh, you can yeah, also he's probably like a parts player, right? Like he, he writes cool parts. He writes great parts. Yeah. They're not yeah. complicated for the most part. Uh, most guitarists could learn how to play them, but they're really, he does the octave stuff a lot and kind of these uh, not super full guitars over kind of bass and drums. And I, I really like it. And I thought that it was a cool evolution of his guitar sound. So I was into that, but it was almost like he found that dotted eighth setting on the delay and just like, just overdid it on that album. And I totally get it. It's a really fun delay setting to use. Uh, if you haven't had, we were all doing it on our DL fours at the time, the line six green box that every single mm. one of us had. Um, although that did not have a dotted eighth uh, setting on it. You had to know how to tap it out, which was a whole different thing. But um, yeah, I just think that it was not quite, um, it didn't quite live up. And I also love the drums, as I kind of mentioned before. I actually think they're 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 really great. But um, it, it was just unfortunate. I felt like that, um, and I was probably too bummed. I was so, so bummed about Blingway too. I was just like, I don't want to hear anything from <laughs> from them that wasn't together a little bit it's like i wanted it to be good like you mentioned about phantom menace like batman versus superman it's like i want this to be good because i like you know this whatever character or this band or this artist um but it you know all three of those things are things that got hyped up way more than they delivered and uh kind of unfortunate any other thoughts on kind of first impressions before we jump into track by track fellas 
I think uh, there's a punk news quote that it kind of ties us all up nicely. It said, Tom needs a creative foil to keep his songwriting economical. He needs a friend to tell him to tone it down once in a while. That's perfect. That's exactly exactly what those guys really, plus 44 too, was it didn't have the Tom magic. You know, it was like really dry, Uh uninspired punk rock. That's just, they got to be together, man. Yeah, I will say that I loved Boxcar Racer more so than any of these Oh, initial yeah, yeah. side projects so that, that had barker i wonder if that was it did that's it was gotta like a be that's gotta count magic. for something yeah. i yeah. did and maybe like, barker had that oh you didn't i didn't and i and i gave it another shot this week while uh oh i kind of went through a lot of stuff still didn't like it it just oh, okay. it didn't have it for there's me like three or four songs on that record i just love but i'm not oh, like man, i, I play love thing it front to back i i maybe need to give it a few more shots i i i've probably listened to that album a total of like three times in my life or something but it just oh, wow. never grabbed me it just, okay. um, but, uh, and same thing. It's like, I felt like the magic was the two of them specifically together that I just, um, I'm not disagreeing with that. I think, I think you're spot on with that, but, uh, but that one, man, that one, that one did it for me. And in some ways it's a little, it's a little John and Paul from the beat. I mean, I'm not saying they're the same mm-hmm. level of songwriters, but there is like a, the two of them together in the Beatles were all were better than anything. <laughs> Obviously, John Lennon and Paul McCartney are super talented. <laughs> Paul McCartney's got some great solo stuff, but like not more than he had good stuff with John Lennon. And I feel like I feel like Mark and Tom are kind of the same. I feel like um, I saw I saw a tweet that was like uh, Blink One Two's greatest hits is the same album in two thousand four as it is in two thousand twenty two. Yeah, you know it's yeah. just. I like the albums that have come after that, but they're not going to beat that stuff that happened before um, when it was all of them. I don't know. That's hey, can I derail us for one second? Yeah, let's just. Oh, we're already off the, we're off the rails. We're off the rails. Yeah. You, you mentioned you mentioned um, <laughs> you mentioned uh, Lennon and McCartney, and I just had to mention. Have you guys watched the movie yesterday? Yes. Mm-hmm. I love the movie. It's great. I liked it. Kind of um, falls apart in the third act, but it's pretty good. Very, very heartwarming. But, but do you want to know the funniest joke in the movie yesterday? It's that Ed Sheeran loses his title of best songwriter in the world, right, to the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> right. What a ridiculous thing. I think like, that's the, oh, I think John that's, Lennon and McCartney. Like they, I think they that's didn't the exist. Joke. Well, yeah. No. Well, if they didn't exist, Ed Sheeran would be the best songwriter. Right. In the yeah. World. <laughs> but I think that is. I think that's the good joke one for sure. Um, Danny Boyle, good one. I did like that movie though. Um, it was a that's fun. Great. It was a fun. I like those kind of what if weird random movies. Um, also, no offense, Ed Sheeran. I know you listen. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good songwriter. To be fair, yeah, um, he is. Okay, well, let's get into track by track uh, and do this thing. Um, oh, well, I will say one other thing. I like that he tried to make an album. You know, I always appreciate an, an album that's got like a mm, kind of mm-hmm. like a concept and a front and a middle and an end. And, and so he did that. Uh, and we're going to start with track one, which is uh, Valkyrie Missile. Say 
Chris, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on the opening track? Uh, I'm going to use somebody else's words. I could not attribute this quote to a person, but I did find it, um, and I thought it was perfect. Valkyrie Missile has a terrific song somewhere, but it's sadly buried <laughs> in an overlong two-minute intro. <laughs> It's, it's almost three minutes. It's over it two minutes and 30 seconds. Yes. I don't, oh, yeah, no, it's th- it's three minutes till we get to a single word said. I don't mind uh, that, though, honestly. Spoke like, th- saying. It doesn't bother me on this song. I kind of like the intro. It's not perfectly executed, but I, I like the idea of the real slow burn in the intro. Well, I don't it, mind it, it. It suits the narrative. It does. But I think you're yeah. right. There, it's that's a great quote because that's how I feel about a lot of these songs. It's like, Oh, it's almost there. If you had a real producer in there, I think they would have gotten there. I really do. I think if you had, um, why did I just totally forget the guy, name of the guy that does all the point point two? Finn, Jerry Finn. Yeah. Oh, right. If you had Jerry R. Finn R. in there with this, I think it would have, I think it would have gotten there. I really do. I think if someone just kind of reined him in a little bit, like I think most yeah. of these songs have some great ideas in it that someone just needed to be go like, hey, Tom, there's a better verse in you for that. I just right. know there is. Um, or that refrain, like, we don't need to do it 16 times before we bring mm-hmm. in the guitar part. Let's do it yeah. eight, and then bring the guitar part after eight, and then yeah. bring the drums in after eight, you know? But like, I don't so one much... One minute. The, I mean, the thing is, like, you, this is the point where you can do that if you want to. Like, you can do a three-minute intro on a song because you, you are one of well, the yeah, biggest get, rock stars in the world. So you, you can yeah. get away with it more than you could if you were... If this is you know, whatever, um, debut album from Panic at the Disco or something. Like, you you can't do, someone's got to be like, okay, hold on. You know, we're trying to get people to like you. You can't expect them to wait around for three minutes. But when you're Tom DeLonge, people will wait through the three-minute intro because they're, they know who you are and they're like, okay, I'll listen to this. Like, you've proven, you've proven me, uh, you know, that I like your stuff before. So I, I think I'll give it a chance. So I don't mind the intro as much, but that's a good quote regardless. I, I do... I do agree with it. Um, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts align with that review. Okay. And I will say that somebody did rein him in. This is a terrifying thought, guys. Someone did rein him in because in the we can I don't know if we can put it in the show notes or not, but I sent it to Chris. It was the most anticipated albums of 2006 and alternative press. Yeah. And in that, it was listed as a the day the debut coming out 10 songs 75 minutes long and we end up being so they 49 trimmed, minutes <laughs> so exactly they, okay they trimmed over 20 you know nearly 30 minutes. minutes off of this yeah 25 minutes off this bad boy and so somebody reined him in and thank god for that because i cannot imagine adding <laughs> same amount of songs i cannot imagine adding 25 minutes of of music more to this and and i I do like it's going to sound I think in times it's going to sound like we're just completely crapping on this. No, guy. I like. I, but yeah. with that review, I completely agree. Like there is a good song in here. And like yeah. those moments, I, I love the freaking drums. Yeah. Also, there's an effect. I don't know what it is, but he uses it on a few songs. I'm going to call it the helicopter flying over your head effect. Yeah. Where it oh, sounds like. Yes. And that's freaking cool. Yeah. It like pans. Yeah. And mm-hmm. sounds like it feels like a freaking helicopter's flying over you. It's it's pretty freaking cool. Um, but yeah, man, too too long. Okay, Blake, I agree with you. I don't mind the long intro. Let's talk after track two. Because <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> 
Let's leave it at the intro track as well. I'm, I'm not saying guys, it's perfectly executed. I'm just saying. Well, and you guys, I, by I the way, mind. have to pick clips for the next five albums because I was so exhausted trying to find 30 seconds in these songs. Oh I seriously I can't imagine. was like. I had to go walks around the neighborhood. I was like, all right, I'm going to get finished track three. I'm going to finish track three. I had to like not let my mind drift off. Uh, I normally I normally do the clip. Tra- I just thought you might, you all might be better suited for picking him on this one. Oh, but, no, no. I, I, yeah. I'm purely joking. I no, just, but, it, it was funny. Like trying to pick 30 seconds of a six minute, 30 second song. It's like, where do I, I mean, the beginning, the middle. Yeah. yeah. And there's probably not many 30 second clips where you can get part of two different parts of the song. Right. Like it's not a lot <laughs> right, of yeah, parts. I was trying you... to bridge two parts. Well, I went over. Well, yeah. It's, well, it's we went over on something. That's fine. I mean, yeah, yeah it's going right. to happen. But uh, okay, let's go to track two, which is distraction. I've got an idea because I feel like I've I've crapped on Tom DeLonge too much already in this in this episode. I'm gonna start with the rest of these tracks. I'm gonna do compliment sandwiches, where oh, I, I say something man. nice, something bad, <laughs> something bad, then something that. nice. Does that work? Yeah. We don't all have to do yeah. it. I just feel like I need to say some nice things too. Uh, uh, Kyle, do you want to go first and tell us what you think about distraction? Yeah, I I, I uh, I'll leave the sandwich to you. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I. I actually I do like the song when it gets to it, but like what we were just talking about, this is not an intro song, and here we are, track two, and we wait what on this one over a minute and a half. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have done it on the second track. I'm I with mean, you on that. Exactly. It's like, dude, come on, and and again, I think it. If I remember back, it's like I'm sitting there thinking is this the next thing? Is this, is this, are people going to love this, this thing that I'm like, kind of, I don't know, weirded out by. And, and then when he gets into it, I actually really like that chorus. I like the, uh, I don't know if it was a keyboard or whatever kind of going on in there. The, um, it's, yeah, I know what you're talking. Yeah. The, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, there's definitely uh, very keyboards, yeah. kind of a unique sound, but, um, and I like the drums too. And, and, Honestly, I I like DeLong's voice a lot. And so um, I think he sounds great on this song. So I like all of that. But man, I'm just so pissed off that I'm I'm two songs in and I'm I've probably have a collective five plus minutes of waiting to get to the song. You're two songs and 12 minutes into this record. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Chris, uh, you go next because I want to see if anyone has my note that I have on here, but. Uh, I said the intro could have been 30 seconds. It could have been, guys. It didn't have to be that long. <laughs> yeah, it didn't need to be. Um, and, and that lyric is not interesting enough to repeat that much. I'll be your mm, distraction. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's just not doing it for me. I really like the keys on the bridge and the ending part I played. And I love the Space Age love song vibes. It's got it's like a nice tribute to the 80s. Yeah. Um, uh, was that a sandwich? I don't know. That might close enough. Some meat. That might have been know. a... like. Uh, <laughs> What do they call it when the top's off of it? Open faced, like an but open like, face. I mean, yeah, open face sandwich. I I I just remember like 
being so excited about this record. Now I'm the second song, and I already had to wait so long for words again. And I was like, oh no, this isn't good. This is all that there is. The, the songs it, represent what we what was happening in real life. We were waiting and waiting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And there was lots of buildup. My compliment, lots of build my up. compliment sandwich. I actually, I like this song, but so the first thing I, I like about it is, uh, I think it's a good song. I mean, I think it, I think like where Kyle is, I could deal without the minute long intro before the lyrics are here, but I like the song. Um, I quite a bit actually. Um, however, it sounds almost exactly like I'm lost without you, which is basically mm-hmm. the last track of the album that we heard before this yep. came out. And for this yep. to be the second track on this album, it's just too close. I mean, it, it's yep. got the same kind of vibe about the same tempo, almost the same drum kind of beat going on and kind of almost, I mean, you could almost layer either one of those lyrics and melodies on top of the other one and it would work. And yep. I'm normally fine with people ripping themselves off. I don't really have a problem with that because it happens a lot. But to be Dude one, like almost the last song on the album you released before, and this one's like almost the first song on this, it's it's just too much. Um, so that's mm-hmm. my the, the bad part about this. Uh, and then the the other good thing about it, I really like the background vocals are really oh, yeah. great yeah. on those choruses. Uh, super cool, just washing over us background vocals from Tom. Um but yeah, I mean, we were just, it was just, that was the first thing I thought when I heard it then. And it was the first thing I thought when I listened to it again, uh, this week or the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I was just like, Oh, it sounds a lot like I'm lost without you. Um, and, um, but you know, that's, which kind of sucks. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, this is a good song, but I've kind of heard it before. Um, which I don't think is a great second impression for, for me. Um, cause the first song is kind of a cool intro, but it's not a great song. I wouldn't put it on a playlist probably second one's a better song, but it sounds like another song. So I feel like we're kind Mm -hmm. of two strikes in really early on this album for something that I've been anticipating for so long, uh, to come out. So, uh, let's go to track three. Chris Monier, let's go to you. What are your thoughts on Do It For Me Now? This song's great. This is the third mm, single. This song, yeah. like, I'm back in. I'm back in. I'm yeah. like, okay, okay, okay. So I, I totally, totally dig this song. I love the Cure vibes. Great chorus. Um, that little uh, Morse code thing, kind of holding the whole thing together. Yeah. You, you kind of did this <laughs> at the end of Untitled again, right? That yeah. I, I love it, man. I can't um, tell if it's the, like a Les Paul with the pickup switch. Yeah. I, I can't tell what he's doing it with, but I do like it. And it's got um, the ending chorus, which I didn't have time for in the clip, but it's got that hold on to me line. And uh, yeah, mm. great. Yeah, I'm back in. I'm, I'm all about this song. Kyle, thoughts? <sighs> my birthday buddy nailed it. <laughs> this is an excellent song. Um, it's, it's, it's not just better than the others. It's a really good song. My, my favorite thing about it is honestly what he's doing uh, melodically is 
a little bit different than Blink-182, right? Like, it doesn't... The other two songs, he sounds like Tom DeLonge. He's singing like Tom DeLonge in Blink-182. I think the way that he's singing this melody in the verse is kind of different. And um, and I dig the whole vibe of it. I love the now, 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 the repeats. Like, it, I, I love the song. I think it kicks butt. Yeah, I think it's great, too. And, and honestly, one of the things I like the most about it is... I think Tom, I'm going to guess there was an insecurity of like wanting to grow up and tired of being, you know, the joke kind of band, you know, and, yeah. and, and he, he wrote more of those lyrics sometimes than, than, um, than Mark did. I feel like a little bit, the sticky stuff. So I think he's trying to leave that behind, which is understandable. And sometimes he goes way too far with that and he tries to be super mm. deep and it's terrible when he tries to be super deep. Yeah. But this is an, a perfect example of like a great Tom lyric song. It's like, it doesn't have to be revolutionary. It doesn't have to say anything where I'm just like, Oh wow. What poetry, but it's a, it, they're good lyrics. It's a, it's a good melody with good lyrics I like it. It says something without trying to be like pretentious, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. And so it's like a perfect sweet spot for him. And I would guess that this is a song that kind of just, you know how songs sometimes just come out of you and those are the good ones and the ones you yeah. wrestle with over and over yep. again, never quite get there. I feel like there's a lot on this album that sounds like he wrestled with it. And this sounds like it just mm -hmm. came right out yeah. and was and kind of yep. perfect. Um, I'm with you guys. I'm glad we're all on the same page that this song's uh, it's great. And I, it makes, it bums me out that like it took us three tracks and to get there 13 minutes to get or 12 or 13 minutes to get to um, a song that really impresses me. Um, Cause he could have, I don't think it was necessary. I mean, I think we could have put a better song in the first couple tracks, even though like I said, distraction was a good song too long of an intro and it wasn't perfect, but like, this is a great song. I would have had this one a little earlier. Um, track right. three with those other two. I, I was also going to mention in this song and the intro song, he there's this repeating melody that that's that's echoed throughout the entire album that dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah. Like it's on multiple yeah. songs and it goes through goes throughout the album. I kind of I kind of dig that. Like I like that it kind no, it, I'm all it, into that. Yeah. It, it, it helps pull everything together, right? And, and it, I love that on an album. Yeah. I'm so, all in on I think repeating cool. parts throughout and making like kind of a motif. I've used the word motif twice now, once in reference to the keyboard. It's a very fancy word, Blake. Um, yeah, that's going to be the only, yeah. Um, no, I'm with you. I, I like that kind of stuff um, on this. There, there were some great concepts. Um, yeah, great song. Track three. Very solid. Let's go to track four, which I think is the first single, right? The Adventure. Was that the, yeah. the first single? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so track four, uh, here we go. The Adventure.
Chris, you were vibing. Let's let's hear your thoughts first on the adventure. Man, it's really hard to pick a clip from this song. I hope I did you guys right. I I picked clip. the intro because I remember the first time I heard this song and I thought it was so freaking <laughs> good. I was so excited. That verse is so epic. The way it builds up. This is like Angels and Airwaves like when, when it's when it's on, it's on all so the way good. on. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I didn't even put any notes to this song. I don't know what else to say. Like this song is like an epic great this is uh, up there with any i you, sh- you shouldn't compare this band to blink but you have to it's up there with any great blink 182 song this this song um i believe this song i, I believe we heard the song before the record came out right yeah was for that, sure yeah okay yeah. and I, mm-hmm. and this is good so when he was hyping it all up and i heard this song i was like oh boy if it's like <laughs> oh, this, no, this, I was yeah. too. <laughs> no this song i mean like this was the song that made me go like oh okay maybe he did it like when when yeah. this came out before the album came out, I I remember being like, I I might be proven wrong here. I'm happy to be proven wrong, and I I do this throughout history with pop things. I'm excited about it's like you guys remember when the Avengers came out. I was like, if that movie's good, I'll eat my hat. <laughs> and we went and saw it together, and I was like, well, they pulled it off somehow. Uh, I just thought, <laughs> they did it. I just thought for sure they wouldn't, um, and I thought for sure he wouldn't pull it off. And then I heard this song and was like, man, he might. But then you know, there was this other part of me that was like, it's one song. <laughs> like, right. A lot of people come out with a great single and then nothing else. But gosh, you are totally right, Chris, and it's a great clip because this is an intro. And that is a heck of a verse. And I like that it goes with the down chorus, honestly. Like, I like that the yeah. verse has all the energy and then the chorus drops down. Because if you kept it that energy, it'd be overwhelming almost. It'd be too much. But the fact that he drops it out in the chorus is perfect. I love it. It's 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 really so good. I cannot figure out what that percussion is at the beginning. I love Bonk. that little I, weird little I have noise. a theory that... Um, I know he bought like the little toy piano you hear throughout this, uh, like at a music oh. shop. He saw it like I think it was, I think the story is like he was with his daughter and and it was some freak music shop he frequented and kind of played with it for fun. And then he finally bought it, and it's kind of all over this record. I think that percussion stuff at the beginning of the song might be like a modulated version of that toy piano because I can hear it's got kind of different pitching to it, but it's not. I don't know. It just sounds like this metallic. It almost sounds like he's dropping chains or something. I like the idea of using instruments that aren't really instruments though, for that kind of thing. Cause I'm like, that's totally unique. And for all I know, it's a sound on the Yamaha motif he was using for the other keyboard stuff, but I've never heard it before or since I would love to know what that sound is. And I can't, I couldn't find on the internet anywhere, anything that says anything about it. I, I think it might be some sort of chopped up version of that toy piano. Uh, and I'll, I'll never know unless I meet Tom DeLong. Um, but uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on the adventure? Well, I hope you, that you get to meet him and ask him, Blake. That'd be great. I'd love to. I, I, um, I love so much of his stuff. Yeah, I, I have. I really don't have anything to add. This this song kicks butt. It's awesome. And and I'm a little pissed. I, I'm like more pissed that I have two really great songs back to back, and I had to get through the garbage to get to it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, um, and actually, I I think. I think on this one it's like, don't you dare give me another long intro. <laughs> and then and then and then this one is like, you know what? I kind of like this intro. Yeah. Kind of long, <laughs> but I kind of like it long. This this one's pretty cool. And and uh it, it's like he nailed it on this one. And I total I think he totally whiffed on the first two. So um yeah, great song. Awesome. And also I do remember so 
did it, have either of you guys seen them live? I have not. Never. Are they not, good? Okay. Not for have lack of trying. It just never worked yeah, out. Yeah, I, I've seen them a couple times, and um, and I saw them the first time at the what was the Coca Cola Event Center. Right. Um, I remember that show. And it, the sounds. Whew, what a great show! So Didn't the Stellas open up for that show. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So so uh, anyway, they they there was very much like a grassroots like. He, there was this, there, I mean, you hear it in the lyrics on this. It's a little culty, like, hey guys, come with me on this journey. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't live, I can't breathe unless you do this with me. Yeah. And like, he's singing the hey and everybody's singing it back to him. And so, like, um, I don't know, you felt like for the people that were like all in on this, like, you feel like you're a part of this new thing. Um, and when I listen to this song, I, I get, I get that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I, I'm, I feel the movement. Um, not every song is as great as the last two that we've heard, but like, man, this is a great song. So. Yeah. And lyrically he's getting a little bit more pretentious in the right word, but a little bit more thing, but the song is so good. Like, I think you could sing anything yeah. over it and I'd be into it, but like, mm-hmm. but I like the lyrics. I like that. It's kind of anthony and, which he's pretty good at, by the way. He's good at like an anthony oh, yeah, he is. song. Like he that is talk about a superpower of his. I mean, he literally has two songs called Anthem Part One, Anthem Part yeah. Two. I mean, it's like both excellent. He, I think he knows that he's good at it, and I like that. But I want more of that on this album. And I feel like we didn't get as much as we as he could have given us. Does that make sense? Because mm. like this song's epic. Yeah. I mean, that's just epic gets thrown around a lot. And and it's kind of been worn down in its meaning, but this actually feels epic. I mean, it feels like I can go do things. Like I can, I can, I can do anything if I have this song in my headphones. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is a great song when you're exercising. Like very uplifting. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, well, let's go to track five. A little's enough. Chris Monier, what are your thoughts on A Little's Enough? Uh, I like the big, I called them big war drums. Yeah. On mm. this album, uh, or, or uh, song, um, um, and the big bridge. And, you know, I played a little clip of that ending there with the just a little background vocal. I thought it was good. I Again, uh, kind of lazy songwriting, just repeating that same yeah. line over and over on the chorus. It, it's like, I don't know, man. Just say something different. Um, I'm with you on that. That's it. Yeah. Kyle. Okay. So <laughs> I tried desperately to find this, this article because I wanted to, I wanted to quote it accurately. Um, and I could not find it, but I was a subscriber to alternative press back in the day. Back in the and day. I remember we all were. And, 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 it, and also, I, I don't know if I'm even saying this right. Kerrang. Sure. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, so, so they did a, one of the two did a track by track with him and he, you know, he explained what it was about. I'm into that. And, and, um, on this one, I'm, 
I'm fairly certain that the part that you picked, Chris, that that outro, like not even chorus, but you know what? Sort the, of chorus two, yeah. Yeah, chorus two. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the words just so so you yeah. have it fresh in your brain. I'm Got sorry, it. I have to say it, but you look like you're sad. Your smile is gone. I noticed it bad. The cure is if you let in just a little more love. I promise you this: a little's enough. So I seem to remember this really touching story about his grandmother being on her deathbed and not being able to speak and him saying that that was the message that he received from looking into her eyes. And I thought that was such a cool, crazy, like, wow. I mean, I wouldn't share that with anyone if it was me, you know, like that. (laughs) I'd probably keep it to myself, but I remember thinking, wow, that's just like, that's pretty incredible. Um, and, and it made the song better for me because I'm, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. Like, uh, someone bearing their soul in that way. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy it. I think, I think you picked a great clip, Chris, because the end is easily the best part of that song. Like the verses I think are boring. Also, they're kind of weird. Like, is this, is this a church song or (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what he's talking about. Like the children ran to him and he turned water into wine, but then it sounds like he's singing about himself. So does Tom DeLong think he's Jesus guys, because it kind of lines up with all these other things that he's saying. Right. Right. Well, I mean, that's where I'm, that is where I'm talking about. I'm like, there, there was like a, there was very much a Messiah like, thing going on with him at this point in time and it just it weirded me out like it was like dude in yeah. the article i sent to chris he talked about walking he could walk on water if he really believes it and i think the very headline of the of the article is like tom DeLong in the jesus pose or it yeah, says something, something like, like that. that like he's he's Little, little, little nutty. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the end is the best part of the song. Although I like the verses okay, but it really drops off on the the choruses throughout the rest of the song. It's just, it's yeah. an okay. It's okay, but man, it is not. It's a letdown after the adventure for sure. I mean, this is not yeah. living up to that hype. But, uh, but yeah, that's a sweet kind of story. Bummer. Yeah, I don't mind a yeah. bummer. I just the story, don't, the story makes it better. But it absolutely it does feel a little Jesus like I'm Jesus. And I just, I'm G- I, oh hey my, guys, I don't think, I'm Jesus. I don't think you are, Tom. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Sup's you're up. not. Um, but uh, yeah, that that. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty, Blake. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you mean by that, but well, he, what well, he means he's, is, he's, I think not he's, too, he's quote, still not Jesus, right? <laughs> well, to quote uh, Thomas DeLong himself, he says, uh, "Let's see, what was what was a quote?" Thomas Alfred uh, DeLong. Yes. Um, before we don't need a whisper came out, it said it was going to change the face of rock and roll. What I meant was over a 30 year period, it's only been one year. So you need to wait 29 more to see how your life is. Cause it's all oh, happening. Oh my God. He gosh. said all that. A, yeah. Those okay. are things he said. Jesus himself. Oh, oh he even, he even timed it out to how long Jesus was alive. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh my, (laughs) (laughs) and that's why I'm saying I think that there was some weird stuff going on for sure because it doesn't, it seemed like there was that was the height of all that stuff. I mean, he's always been a little weird for sure, but that was that's a different level. Uh, Can you imagine being like one of the guys that got to join the band, like being so excited? Oh man, I'm in a band with a guy from Blink 182, and he's like in rehearsal, be like, guys, by the way, 
I'm reincarnated Jesus. Do you guys know? <laughs> Just like in the bathroom, washing your hands next to the new drummer, like, hey, that was kind of weird, right? Hey, <laughs> so, so, so how often does he say that kind of stuff? Did your check clear? I'm yeah. Just wondering, also, like, everything cool here? <laughs> also, I think it's so funny that Ryan Sin, the, the distiller's bassist, is the first one out. I guess even though you said he gave him a job, another job. He's the first one out. And I think this is so funny. Take it however you want that they replace him with uh, the the basis from Jared Leto's band. <laughs> uh, 30 Seconds to Mars. <laughs> yeah. I've seen I this whole song and dance before, guys. I just, can, guys, I can handle this. This just is fine. Don't, don't pay attention. Check, check clears. Hey, speaking, <laughs> speaking of Jared Leto, speaking of derailing this thing, I've never seen more press for a movie that got worse reviews and no one went and saw than Morbius. <laughs> By the way, oh yeah, I don't know, I don't know a soul that's seen it. I don't know anyone that's seen it, and yet every article, like I'm on like Flipboard or something, it's like method acting. Here's Jared Leto. Here's Sony's plans for. I'm like, no one is seeing this movie. Uh, their PR machine is sure cranking out the the articles though. Okay, let's go to after that digression. Let's go to track six, the war. <laughs> Kyle, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on the war? Not the uh, Iraq so war, but the song, the war. I, I'm against war, Blake, in general. <laughs> Good to know. Um, so Ooh, Counterpoint, war is awesome. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's a great song. I think, you, I think they recapture a little bit of that magic from the adventure with this one. Um, and honestly... Uh, that that guitar part, that driving guitar part in between verses reminds me a lot. I think it's the closest thing that I've heard him do to the aggressiveness of Boxcar Racer. Mm -hmm. um, like it kind of reminds me of one of their guitar parts. Um, but yeah, dude, this this song rocks. It's great. That guitar part's a great example of a Tom DeLonge signature guitar part. Like you hear it yeah. and you go, that's Tom DeLonge. Da, 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 da. Or it's someone trying da, 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 to sound da, 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 like Tom da, 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 da. DeLonge. And that combined yeah. with the the chorus one too, uh, same rhythm but just the octave. But it's yeah. not the full chord; it's just the octave notes, and then he does it bigger on the outro kind of thing. I love that. I think that's what he does well is kind of saying like, okay, I've got this one part. How can I play it differently at different parts of the song for to make it dynamic? I think it's he's great at that, and I love it. Uh, Kyle, also, whoa, oh. O's. yeah, whoa, O's are great. And the bridge with the clean guitar is such a Tom DeLonge yep. bridge, yeah. And that that yeah he he's he's got a style and I I'd rather someone have a style than be an excellent technical player if that makes sense because um it just it's more interesting in in my opinion it's like I know Joe Perry's a sloppier guitar player than Brad Woodford in Aerosmith but I can hear when Joe Perry's playing a guitar part and be like that's Joe Perry because it sounds like him you know and I and I love that and uh and this and Tom's kind of like that for me it's like he's definitely not a great you know, technical guitarist, but I just, I love those parts that he puts in this and this song has quite a few of them. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on the war? Uh, Other than Kyle you love said, war. We know that. Uh, now. Yeah. Huge, huge, <laughs> huge, huge fan. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, th- this is a- another one where I was like, okay, okay, I'm in, I'm in. Um, great song, great, great, great song. Um, the yeah, you guys already said it all. That's this really nothing. The drums are great too. Um, there's a documentary that they made about the making of this, and there's a few uh, places where you can hear Adam playing some drum parts without you know you can just hear him in the studio. Yeah. And dude, he is nailing the yep. freaking crime they probably had to tune between the verses and choruses oh, yeah. because of how hard he's hitting these drums and you can hear it it comes right through great great excellent drum work on this record uh on this song well on the record but specifically this song just banging the crap out of him love it i agree with both of you it's a great song i really like his vocals on it i think he's got a lot you know he's really like going for it on the growliness uh on those choruses and stuff and i really like it and um I'm into it. I uh, I think this is lyrically. I'm like, eh, you're going you're going a little too mm. far. But I like the song, and it and the lyrics don't take me out of it. Um, but you know, I'm kind of like, okay, you've got to write a war song, I guess, because you were enthused about John Kerry's campaign <laughs> or something. I don't know. I mean, I get who knows what the. But it's just like the ocean is on fire. The sky turned dark again. I mean, it's just a little yeah. bit too on the nose. Uh, yeah, it me. insists upon itself. Right. I mean, and then it's like you call it the war. It's like, yeah, I mean, you right. don't need that title necessarily with the lyrics. Um, but um, I don't know. It, but it's a good song. I, I, I'm with you on that. But uh, I guess I didn't do my compliment sandwich right because I complained at the end of it. Sorry, uh, I messed up my compliment sandwich. But you liked it. But I like it. I like yeah. the song overall. So it's fine. Okay, let's go to track seven, The Gift. Kyle, what are your thoughts on the gift? Um, I think Birthday Buddy picked out a great clip mm-hmm. because I think this is the best part of the song. Love those drums. I love it when he does the high harmonies with himself. Yeah. Uh, it, it just sounds freaking cool. I don't know that I don't I don't think I love the rest of the song as much as I love that part of the song, but it's a good song. Chris? It's fine. This song. Uh, there, there's a band that Tom DeLong often says is a big influence on him, and and it's been on the edge of my tongue all week. I've been trying to think of it, but I still have not found what I'm looking for. I'll think of it. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Mm, um, yes. I wrote it down and rehearsed it. Yeah, that's pretty good. How was my delivery? <laughs> that was very it was good. Great. <laughs> it was perfect. I was literally about to help you start thinking of the band, and then I was like, "Oh, yeah. never mind. This is a bit." I almost interjected. It's a bit. Hey, Chris, shut up for a second. Shut your stupid mouth. You're talking about you too. <laughs> um, no, that's here's the thing. I I and it's fine, by the way. It's a great it's a great call to that band. Yeah, yeah, and to be fair, no one had really. Um, I don't. Maybe there were U2 emulating bands uh, when I was just too young to realize that they existed, but I don't feel like, I feel like they had such a unique thing that no one ever really tried to rip them off. And I think 2006 is a great time to be like, I'm going to do a U2 thing because they, 
<laughs> they last did this sound in like 1986. So it's been 20 years. Um, and I mean, this is a U2 song. It's, it's, it's Larry Mullins Jr. drum parts all the way through. The guitar parts are edge parts. The vocal parts are Bono parts. I mean, this sounds like it could be a U2 song. And I'm not mad about it. It's I actually think it's like one of the best songs on the record. I love the whole thing. Yeah. But um, yeah. so I'm a little bit more enthusiastic about it than, than Kyle might have been. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely... I like hearing... Um, I like hearing all the influences that influence an artist and blink Way two didn't, uh, get to do as much. They did, you know, some of that on that, uh, that untitled one, you know, we got to hear a little bit of the cure kind of, yeah. well, I mean, we actually got to hear With Robert Smith on it. So, yeah. uh, but, but yeah, we got, <laughs> right. Yeah. We actually got him on it. So, um, but yeah, this, this is a great kind of, in, in my opinion, it's sort of a love letter to you two for sure. And I'm into it cause I love you too. Yeah. And I, I think this is, um, a good I'm definitely not complaining about that and I'm not dogging on him for for ripping off and I actually like the lyrics are even you two ish I mean it's like I'll stop the storm if it rains light a path from here I'll make your I mean it sounds like Bono could have written the lyrics even uh so I'm in I think it's great I think I think he did a good job and I wish I almost wish he just would have embraced that a little bit more um on some of the rest of the rec- on some of the rest of the record, there there's some other stuff where it felt like oh you kind of did it but you didn't like embrace it wholly. It's like almost like why not? Like it happens all the time that a band twenty years later totally rips off an old band, not mm-hmm. rips off, but I mean like you can still be really talented and heavily influenced by old music, and it's kind of like it introduces it to a new generation. So I've got no problem with it. Like I don't like it when it's so blatant that it's like you don't have any real talent of your own, but we know Tom DeLonge has talent and he's, this is now his third band that's successful. Yeah. So I'm, we're not like, Oh, he can't do it. If he doesn't just rip someone off. Um, and oh so, yeah. 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 So I, I, I wish they maybe would have just embraced it a little bit more. Cause I mean, although you two still a huge band at this point, because like, I mean, all that you can't leave behind just came out a few years before this. So it's not like they're not relevant and no one knows who they are. But that oh, album did not point, sound though. like this. That's a good point, though. I didn't think about that. If you, you take yourself back there, you 2 is still like playing arenas. And I mean, they could play an arena now, but then it was like a. Well, I mean, like, post 9-11 with that, they were, that album that just game. happened to be perfect for after yeah, 9-11. That was the toppest top of their game, dude. Yeah, I mean, and but they weren't that album did not sound like this version of U2 with the dotted eighth and on purpose because U2 was like, we can't do the same trick over and over again. So like, why not yeah. do some kind of this is very much Joshua Tree sounding or um or you know, maybe even into um uh Atchung Baby. Um and I love U2, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm all for it. So anyway, uh, any other thoughts on the gift, fellas, before we move on to track eight? All right, let's go to track eight. It hurts. Touch tonight 
Chris, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on it hurts? I had to, I had to try to get that scream that when he screamed, your best friend. Yeah, yeah I was trying. Sorry, it's hard though. It's hard, hard to get thirty seconds. So you did good. You did great. Um, this is one of the another one of the better tunes on the album. I love this song. I like how he goes for it on the ending. Um, there's a few verses where I feel like he's cramming a little too many uh, syllables into the verses. But... Yeah. <laughs> 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 other than that though it's it's and it, you know another song where like hey you, you're doing your long intro thing and when it's doing when you're doing it right i dig it i'm into it yeah i the lyric the the verse lyrics are just the verse verses in general i just don't like i really like the rest of it um the it hurts thing sounds a little bit like a untitled track too uh but mm-hmm. um but i mean gosh uh Okay, let me try my compliment sandwich again. Sorry. I like the choruses of this song. It's got some cool energy. Uh, the lyrics, specifically, you dug yourself into a liar's hole, is maybe just such a bad lyric that I, <laughs> I can't I can't do it. So the verses, I'm just not into it. It's this it he repeats that melody way too much. It just like it's just droning and uh, too many lyrics, like you said, Chris. So it's like it's like a 50%. It's like halfway there. And I feel like, like I said, a producer could have come in and been like, Hey, the verses are just not quite, we're not quite there. I feel like you've got a better verse in you. And, and maybe that would have worked. I don't know. Cause the rest of it's pretty great. Like I like the, it, hurt, it hurts stuff. I'm looking at the lyrics right now. It's, it says it hurts dot, dot, dot <laughs> times 17. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that that's kind of an yep. indicative of, but I, I don't mind that in, in, on that line. It, it makes sense to say it over and over again. Um, but I, I I like the song, but the verses kind of kill it for me. Kyle, what are your your thoughts on it? Well, you stole my note. I'm sorry. Well, did the about it the lyric times seventeen? Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, you saw that too. That was in my notes too. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's that's a lot. Well, that, that's um, too many repeats, probably. I I agree. I th- I think that um. I think I probably sit just directly in the middle of you two. I I enjoy the song. Uh, I think I like I'm turning it up and rocking out with it. I the lyrics do bother me. It's a mouthful, so that bugs me. But I I do like it. So yeah, I think it just it always bothers me when I feel like ah oh, the bones are there of this song. And you hear I hear all the time where people are like, well yeah I had this song and I could never figure out what to do with it and like we ended up just throwing the verse from it in this part in this bridge of this song and it was perfect. And you're like, yeah, that's what I think that's what almost should have happened here. Like the parts that are great either needed to go into something else or they needed to rewrite the verses and just rethink it, like just scratch them. And um, but when you're self-producing, it's just probably not going to happen. And everyone that's ever listened to one episode of this podcast knows my feeling on self-producing with zero outside and maybe he did have some outside help or whatever but like i mean i know he had help with like the engineering of it and whatnot somebody but like, trimmed 25 minutes off board. <laughs> right <laughs> i wonder and if it, it was him, him i guarantee well it probably wasn't him <laughs> you know what guys i think this might be a little long i, I think maybe we should try uh, to fix yeah, this on I, one cd now, what do you see, think th- that tidbit totally <laughs> changes my theory on what's going on here i've got to know who told him to do that i mean it's just yeah it's going to eat me alive not knowing. So I guess he was listening to someone, but I mean, I think you really do need someone that can be like, Tom, this verse is bad. Like, I don't think anyone. Said I mean, it also could him. have been vibrato, right? Like he could have just been lying because he thought it sounded cool. 
he was saying a lot of crazy things. Did you say vibrato Tim, or bravado? Is... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said. I said yeah. I yes, I said that. Okay, <laughs> you said one of those two things. Okay, uh, yeah. it could be. I don't know. Well, who knows? Uh, and and we may never know. And if you are out there and you know the answers to these questions, we would like you to let us know. Uh, and people do chime in and go like, "Hey, you actually got this wrong." Or hey, this was what yeah. happened there. I love we love it. Like bring it on. People say hey, go easy on good Charlotte. <laughs> People say we're wrong all the time, and I'm like, yeah, we're aware. I don't know if you understand the <laughs> the research that goes into this. It's not exactly like journalistic uh, integrity going on here. Uh, it's more like cramming in the cliff notes the night before. Uh, okay, let's go to track nine. Uh, it's got an improv improvisational feel, loose feel. It's loose. what we're going for. Like, Kel like Kelsey Grammer conversational. memorize yeah. his lines it's before Frazier. That's, that's what we're going for here, guys. Just like that. Okay, let's go to ni track nine. Good day. Kyle, what are your thoughts on Good Day? Um, okay, so this one starts with that melody I was talking about earlier that's echoed yep. through. It's like the very first guitar part played. I love the intro verse on this song. I think it's super cool. Honestly, I don't know if I'm thinking clearly or not, but by the time I get to this song in the next, I enjoy what's going on musically so well. Um, I'm just rocking out with it, dude. Like I'm, I'm, I'm into this and like, I hear that he's saying kind of weird things and <laughs> definitely like, like uh, but I, I, I kind of don't care at this point. I'm, I'm, I have surrendered to, uh, the cult of, of DeLong at this point. I, I enjoy this song. Chris, the da 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 da. Oh, the badas are great. Yeah, that was yeah. on my notes for sure. The, ba -da, that ba -da, that's a great ba -da, background ba -da, vocal. Ba -da. I imagine what I want to do is go see them live at some point and sing that part in the crowd. Oh, that sounds yeah. fun. Like I, I would enjoy that. I, I do need to see them live at some point. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? I, I I love the lyrics on the chorus. I think I like today. Um, it, it just makes me think of a sunny, beautiful, perfect day with like my family or with my friends. Uh, it captures a, a good moment there with his very on the nose lyrics. And I like the, it this does like kind of an ASMR thing at the beginning, but before that mm -hmm. was like even a thing. Uh, mm -hmm. So dude, homeboy's got some ideas, man. I like that. It, he whispers. We don't need to whisper. I love yeah. that irony <laughs> kind of, of, of saying that and it being the name of the album and stuff. I like that. I think that's a great, like, Oh, I, I love that little tidbit. I like when the, the, the title of the album is in a lyric or a part of the song and not the title of a song. I kind of love that. I don't know why I'm attracted to that, but that's the thing I like about this. Um, yeah, I'm with you, Chris. That, that That's a good, good notes on the song. I think I'm, I'm into the song. Uh, I agree, Kyle. I'm basically into the song without thinking about the lyrics, but here's my problem with most of these songs as we get, as we're rounding out the end of the album, basically 
Um, when we play a clip like that and I'm looking at the lyrics, I cannot actually think of how the verses go because it all mm-hmm. blends together yeah. a little too much. And I think that's the problem with the album is that there's there's a part of every one of these songs I can remember and just hum out loud. Like if you were like, what's that song? I'm like, oh, you know, it goes like this. I cannot remember what the verses go like on this song. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't have a note about liking them or disliking them or anything. I think they're probably fine, but I can't read these lyrics and know what the melody is. And I think that's, that is the weakness in this album is that um, some of it kind of blends together. Um, Some of that's on purpose because he's trying to make it cohesive, but it needs to be cohesive without me forgetting which parts go to which songs. And, uh, and this is kind of a good example of that. It's like, I like that chorus. I like this song. I do like, I feel like he ends the album well, um, with these last two tracks, but some of it's not memorable. And I listen, I actually listen to this album more than I've listened to most of the albums before we do it. Um, just because of the, the delays in recording, I just kept listening to it every day. Um, and so I've listened to this probably more than any other album, like just back to back on repeat. And I went through the whole catalog too. I listened to all the angels and airways albums over the last couple of weeks, just to be like, um, you know, try to get a, 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 a wrap my head around. Like, was this, was I harsh on this because of all the lead up mm-hmm. to it? Oh, is it better than the other stuff? Is the other stuff better? Does he grow into it? Just trying to get a better recollection of that. Cause I'd not listened to a lot of it in a while. Um, and I think that's where I land. It's like, that's the weakness is that it's just some of it. I can't remember. And that's probably not great considering I listened to this album, you know, at least 15 times over the last week <laughs> that I can't remember mm. how the verse goes to this song. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's it. Okay. Let's go to track 10. The last track on the record, uh, which is entitled start the machine. Chris, what are your thoughts on the last track? This song is just super epic. Um, It's got so many different pieces and parts that I'm not really sure what to say. It's, um, it's a good ending to this album. It kind of ties things up nicely for me. Um, I agree. And uh, I like the Glockenspiel. Glockenspiel. Mm. And that toy piano, obviously, that's... Uh... That's what I meant. Oh, is that what you meant? Okay, yeah. Well, I the think there might weird. be... Maybe that's oh, it. Oh, is it both? No, I, I, I was definitely just... talking about the toy piano. Okay. The it blam, might just blam, be the toy blam, piano. Blam, blam, uh, blam. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing like I'm into that he like found this toy piano and and it's cool. had learned had been learning to play piano and there's actual real piano on here too and obviously the keyboards and synths and stuff. And I'm, I like that he was like, I want to try something new. You know, I'm, I'm... That was a cool brave thing to do in some ways. Um, and I think that we would have been a lot, I would have been a lot more forgiving um, in general, if it just hadn't hyped it up so much. Cause I would, if I just would have heard this album without, with like no preconceived notions, I think that I would have liked it better. And I think I even, 
I feel like I kind of did that in listening to it again, and I, I think this is a good ending track. I think that he... I I think he starts the album worse than he ends it. Um, You know, like the first two tracks are kind of like, I don't really understand what's going on, but like he ends it with it like with in sort I wish he just could have repeated that at the beginning because I think this would probably be a great album if he started the album as well as he ended it. Yeah. Uh, Cause really the middle is pretty great. I mean, there's some awesome songs in the middle. There's a couple bad ones or a couple that have like good choruses, bad verses or something. But man, if you just would have started well, if you start well and in well, I, I can, it's like, we kind of forget sometimes that the middle's maybe not even as great as the, as the beginning and the end. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, he did a good job on the ending. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts? I, I love it. I, I think the song is epic. Like uh, Chris said, how weird is it? Like, Without this song, I never would have known how much I enjoy the sound of rocking guitars and a toy piano together. They actually mix really well together because they're they like totally different so frequencies. Good. And I, it sounds so good. Do you know one thing? I here's my one theory I have on why people like things like toy pianos in in stuff is because with digital recording and Pro Tools and um, time correction and pitch correction. Everything got way too perfect in the in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. We just like time corrected everything to death. We pitch corrected everything to death. And it's just not interesting to our ears. But a toy piano mm-hmm. is by definition like a shitty sounding instrument. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. And it's not really in key. But that dissonance is nice. It's like we're it's almost like, oh, it feels real. Like and it feels and yep. and it works really well. And it's the same thing with any kind of like real instrument that's hard to tune like that. So glockenspiels are like that a little bit, uh, toy pianos, even just an out of a slightly out of tune piano, uh, where maybe everyone's tuned into the piano as opposed to like everyone's tuned to digital Mm -hmm. uh, tuner. Um, that's why so many songs from the eighties, if you are a musician, if you've ever tried to learn some of these songs from like the eighties, they're not like, they're not at a perfect key. They're like in between a and G because they all tuned to the synthesizer or whatever and it was right. a few cents sharp or whatever, or 30 cents sharp or something. And I, I think it just makes for more interesting sounds. And this is a great example of that, of like probably everything else on this is tuned and time corrected to death. And then that toy piano comes in and it makes it feel kinda, very human. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of creepy well, in a good way. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Well, well put. Yeah. So I, I wish that um, I feel like everyone could, to, could stand. And I feel like we kind of swung too far to the perfect side in the early 2000s, which we did in the 80s too. It's like a 20-year cycle, and we're back to it now again. And my recommendation to new artists right now, like pop artists, would be like, hey, just put something real in there that sounds not perfect every once in a while. And it, it will probably yeah. be a lot more interesting. Um, I don't know. Why would anyone listen to me, though? It's not like I... <laughs> have any success uh when it comes to music production so uh let's go to lasting impressions i think this one's going to be the trickiest one that we've had to answer these questions for kyle does it hold up i can i completely agree with what you just said uh this is the trickiest i've thought about it all all this i have too as we as we have thought that we were going to record every night um (laughs) no has anyone thrown up during this podcast yet no okay everyone's good we're all good great Here's the thing. In in a way, like, yeah, I still enjoy some of these songs, but nothing could live up to the hype 
that surrounded this album or preceded it. And and for anybody that's listening that's just new to this music or just now getting into it, there's no way they can possibly understand what it was like for us as fans of Blink-182 to listen to this dude pump himself up. Well, you know what? There is a way. You're right. It, it's very Kanye. It is. Like, that's that's the closest thing to it. But, like, it's... So, no. It, does, it doesn't hold up in that sense to me because, like, he claimed it would change the face of music and rock and roll. So, no. It didn't do those things that he said. Do I really like some of these songs? And And... Did they grow on me after I stopped resenting him? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I think that's a oh, that's an almost perfect way to put it, Kyle. I think that it doesn't hold up to his uh, promises and expectations. But yeah. it actually, like, if I, you know, I tried to listen with, like, fresh ears, take all the ego stuff away. I think if this was just a band's first album, I would have been really impressed with it. I wouldn't have called it perfect or anything. I'd still call it like, this is like a three out of five for me, maybe on an album. If I had to give, I don't really like giving stars to albums. I just feel like it's too hard to do. It's a little easier for me with movies, but, um, but you know, it's somewhere in the middle there. It's like, I like it. I I like more than I don't like probably, but there's still some stuff that like makes me so like, Oh, why'd you do that? Um, yeah. So I think you said it kind of perfect. It's like, it didn't hold up to the expectations he set for it, but it's pretty good. And, and revisiting it, I, it is a, it is the whole album's kind of a grower. I feel like, Mm -hmm. but, um, but I don't, I think I have to say it feels more like a side project than, you know, and you just compare it to the other blink stuff or, or whatever. And like, Boxcar Racer feels like a side project. Plus 44 feels like a side project. This felt like a side project. None of them felt like real bands. Um, It felt like this is the stuff I can't do in my other band. I'm doing something different or whatever. And um, that doesn't work most of the time. I mean, this does end up being his sort of permanent band, and he's put more albums out with the, with Angels and Airwaves than he did with Blink-182, right? Or it's, I guess it's, it's, the, it's at the same now because Neighborhoods technically – um, yeah. anyway, um, but so, I mean, it's, it's interesting. And I think that he, he did make it a real band and it. And I think he, it, it turned into that, but on this album, it still just feels too much like a side project that never quite hit a stride. Um, every point in the album where they get us to a point where I'm really excited, something happens next that I'm like, Bleh. you know, it's like, it just never quite gets up. And then, um, Maybe on those last three tracks, those those are the best three tracks in a row, on the re- on the record is the last three, um, but there's not three tracks in a row anywhere else that I think are fantastic. So I'm gonna say, no, but kind of. Chris, where are you? Nah, I'm with you guys. I, I mean, first of all, I don't think you can't separate the music from the story of how we got to the music. At least we can't because we were all there. Yeah. Right, right. Well, sorry, we can't. No, you, you might be right. I, it, it, you'd almost have to... Yeah, we'd have to interview somebody who listened to this album for the first time and just had no you know, preconception about like what it could be or what it was. Um, I mean, honestly, if you, li- if you are listening to this podcast and you had not <laughs> heard this album before 
or didn't really listen to Blink-182 either, I would, I would actually love to hear what your thoughts are on the whole album. Like, I mean, I would really love to know what a fresh listen of this without any of the context of, of course, maybe you know all the baggage now because we've been talking about it, but whatever. Wait, I mean, you know, you didn't live it. He kept it. building on it. Yeah. And the, 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 every album after this, it keeps getting better and better. And he almost makes like a real band out of this, but this mm-hmm. album feels like a side project. It feels like Velvet Revolver yep. or Temple of the Dog. Like, you know, the side project band where there's like one cool single that they work really hard on. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the rest of the album's just okay. And, and But this song's not like that exactly. It's it was like, better you know, than that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's like one notch up from there. That's, that's an, I mean, I think you both, yeah. I think you we've all contributed to that question that norm that question is normally like yeah obviously it holds up uh it's it's a pretty easy one but i'm glad we got challenged by that a little bit by these questions that we made up um is it their best album <laughs> i think this one's going to be pretty easy but kyle no no i mean it's it's it may be no. their worst album is yeah, that I fair agree. i mean maybe love part one and two i i did worse than I, this but those, like it sounds better yeah those were maybe more in the background uh but so yeah that one might be worse you're right i and and actually um you know since we're talking about it uh i i think their latest release is fantastic i think it's great Life too Forms. Mm-hmm. oh it's so good um, yeah and and honestly the the uh oh gosh what's bef- the Dreamwalker? great album <sighs> the last two albums have been great and there is a recurring theme with those. We talked about someone reeling him in and helping produce him. I don't know if you guys know him. I may be mispronouncing his name, but he has a drummer. It's either Ilan Rubin or Ilan Rubin. I, I don't know how to say it, but this dude is young. He kicks butt at the drums. He's also uh, does a lot of the programming in the keys. And DeLong has given him the reins when it comes to that stuff. And I think it's, I, I think that that's why it's, it keeps getting better. He's letting he's letting it be a band. Right. Even if it's just between the two of them, he's letting other creative input come in and improve his songs. I think that's a really good point because I yeah. the reason I'm generally more attracted to bands than um than solo artists, although I like a lot of solo artists too, is like or well, I guess here's the caveat. I think most of my favorite solo artists are basically have surrounded themselves with a permanent band where they're mm. like, they are doing that. And I think that that's what makes bands great is like whatever magic Tom and Mark had together wasn't the same without that. And so this first angels and airwaves album is basically Tom and yeah, there are other players on it, but it's basically Tom going like telling, I get, I'm going to guess like every, it's his way. Like it, he's the director of this thing. We're going to do it this certain way. And I just think people are always better when they, when they collaborate with people. Um, yeah. For the most part, it's not, that's not always the case. There are some people that are just freaking musical geniuses all by themselves, but I think that's few and far between. And so this sounds, this first album sounds too much like just the Tom DeLonge show. And mm-hmm. as it turns into a band, I think it gets really good. So it's definitely not their best album. Um, it would have been a great debut album for a band, for a nobody band, but because it was, he was the biggest, he was, you know, in one of the biggest bands in the world and then this comes out, it just didn't quite live up to it, um, especially compared to the thing we hear previously is Blink-22 Untitled, which I think is a phenomenal record. And this just yeah. didn't live up to that. Plus, you add all the hype. Um, what about is it their most important album? Yes. I think I'm with you because 
unfortunately it's important in a, in a bad way. It's kind of right. a weird, it's a weird <laughs> yeah. thing. It's almost like, I feel like I dismissed them after this. And so it's important in a way that it made me, it steered me away from angels and airwaves for quite a while. Um, I eventually also, came back and liked it. It, but it also did something to you as a blink fan, which is like, you know, your girlfriend breaks up with you and your, or your boyfriend and you're like, oh, you, we're, there's still a chance we'll get back together. And then you see them, like, see them with another person. Oh, and, like, they're super mm. in love. And, oh. and you're like, oh, this this may be it. <laughs> this is kind of what it felt like when this album came out. Like, oh, he really put his heart and soul into this yeah. thing. I think, I think Blink's done, at least for a hot minute. I think there were there was way too many emotions with me to to have a fair opinion on this record in 2006. That's just the truth, you know? Between Blink Way to break up, him being kind of crazy, uh, him hyping the album up, uh, you know, like I, I generally just don't like my music and politics mixing because I just feel like politics isn't everything, and I'm just, I just would rather not deal with it, and so that was even a turnoff for me, um, and so there's just, uh, you know, I was probably not in a fair headspace for to even judge it correctly then, but I feel like now that I'm older and wiser arguably um you know i think it's better than i thought it was in 2006 but and it's i think it's important in the sense that yes chris you're right it was like this is he's really going for this this is not boxcar racer boxcar racer felt very much just like a side project this felt like he put a lot more effort into it still felt very side projecting to me as far as not being perfectly put together but yeah, it was kind of the nail in the coffin. Even though they do get back together and make one more album or whatever, but um, this did, it it did feel very permanent when this came out. Kyle, what do you think? Most important album? Uh, I mean, I I I think I agree. And there's like it it's it's like a uh, a rock star movie trope, right? Like where someone gets big and famous and too big for their britches or they just want to do it for the art again and they enjoy playing like small venues Mm -hmm. the last time the last two times i saw blink 182 were in arenas Mm -hmm. and then i got to see tom DeLonge in the coca-cola center yeah and there's a part of me that wonders yeah i i chris you said something i completely agree with that like you heard it and you're like, it, it was at the very least, it was good enough to go, man. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be in Blink 182 for a while. And like going to that show and seeing him play and have a small crowd sing back to him, I, 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 it was like, does he like this more? You know what I mean? Like, is he over the arenas? Like, is, is he, is he falling in love with music again? Yeah. And, uh, and, and it, and it just hurt me more. Uh. And I think that's totally fine if that if that was his motivation. That's great. But the reason I doubt it was is because you don't emulate U2 and think you're going to be playing yeah. thousand-person venues. I mean, like, yeah. that music lends itself to being yeah, you're right. in arenas. It's like, and I think you can just tell the difference between a band that's going for that level. Like, uh, the Killers are another band that I love that was definitely like that. They're like, we want to be a, we want to play arenas. Like we want to be huge. Like we want to write epic stuff that like that tens of thousands of people sing along with. Um, and U2 was obviously like that. I mean, U2 was always playing to the bigger crowd, even when they were 
playing in front of tens of thousands of people, like the, what's the, is it the farm aid or whatever that, whatever that, um, concert was that like Bono was basically not paying attention to the tens of thousand people in front of him. He was looking at the cameras cause it was broadcast and he realized mm. that like, no, I'm singing to millions of people right now. That's what it felt yeah. like Tom wanted to be. I mean, I think that yeah. he, you don't talk up this album the way he did unless you, I mean, I think he envisioned it being, it just didn't work out that way for sure. But I'm, I'm glad he stuck with it. Like, I'm glad he didn't just go like, well, that didn't work. Cause I, I like the stuff that comes after this quite a bit. Me too. Um, no, yeah, no, it kept, it kept, it kept getting better. Yeah. Um, so I think he wanted, I think he wanted the big arena thing, but he didn't give up. He didn't stop doing, I think he loves doing the art too, that, which is a good combination. You really need to like both of those things or you will not be happy. Uh, you can't just want the arena stuff cause it's, I, I don't I'm sure it pays very well, but, but I just don't, you know, it just very like rarely comes, comes when you want it to. Um, yeah, you can't, I don't, cause they were shocked it, by it after in blink way too. I mean, we talked about that right. in the intimate of the state one where like the label was telling them you guys are going to be gigantic. And they were like, what are you talking about? I mean, like, they <laughs> right. literally did not see it. Coming. We just ran around naked for that video. They literally didn't see it coming <laughs> in 1999. And so, but it's almost like he was expecting it at this point, which, ugh, you know, I, 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 I'm sure that's hard to not do when you're in one of the biggest bands in the world and you start another band, but you just don't often get to catch lightning in a bottle twice. Um, but I'm glad he stuck with it because they've got some great albums. Um, awards. Let's go to Desert Island Songs. Two or three of your favorites. Kyle, hit me. Okay. It's got to be, for me, Do It For Me Now, The Adventure. And I'm actually going to go with Start the Machine because I love that freaking toy piano so much. Okay. I like it. Chris. So close to being the same, but I went pure vanilla, exactly how you'd expect me to go. Do it for me now, the adventure and the war. So typical. Those are all <laughs> singles too, right? No, do yeah, it. I'm, yeah, I'm lame. No, but I mean, here's the problem. That's what that to me is an indication that an album's not great. Is if the no, singles yeah. are the best songs on it. Period. It's not normally a fantastic album. Just normally the case. Even if you had three great singles and. Yeah, they're all really good. If those are the ones that we gravitate towards saying are our favorite songs in the album and don't have to even think about it, it's not great. Mine are really close. I'm Do It For Me Now, The Adventure, and The Gift. I think I just like The Gift a little bit more than some of the other tracks on the record. Um, but The Gift was a single too, wasn't it? Uh, let me check. I think... Uh, I think see. it was uh, Do It For Me Now, The Adventure, The War, and The Gift. No, no, it wasn't. Adventure hurts. Do it oh, for it me now. Hurts. The war. Okay. I had, I had hurts wrong. Okay, so we all align. It's time we've said hurts in this podcast. Well, that's still less times <laughs> than he hurts. said it in the song. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I really love that one over the you plate. You really did. <laughs> it was really just too easy. Um, okay, nobody's perfect. What's the worst song in the album, Chris? Uh, distraction is just awful. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't, I, I disagree. I don't think Distraction is the worst song. Um, it, it's worse because, like, uh, okay, it's because of like how you feel when you're like already did Valkyrie and you're like, this can't be all like this. <laughs> it's, right? more, it's more the feeling. Yeah, you're probably right. 
Uh, Kyle, what what do you think is the worst song on here? I I completely agree. agree. Okay, (laughs) and 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 it has less to do with how bad the song is, as much as like I just made it through Valkyrie Missile, and I don't want Valkyrie Missile to go away because like I get that you need an epic intro, but like it it didn't hit me right, you know. Like don't need two of those in a row. One of those has got to go. That's all I'm saying. Here's what's weird for me. We've crapped on this album a lot. It's hard for me to pick a worse song on the record because most of the songs have something I really like about them, but then yeah. there's yeah. entire other parts that I don't. So I could definitely think of like worse parts on this album, but that's not what the award is. It's what's the worst song on this album. I I think I might go with, even though I like what we were trying to do, I might go with the opening track. I might go yeah. with Valkyrie Missile. Okay. Um, just, well, I mean, you got another opening track right after it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but mostly because I don't, I like distraction more than Valkyrie missile. Yeah. Uh, if I just compare the two songs, forget the fact that it's track one and two and stuff. And then I like think I look through the rest of these tracks. I'm like, well, there's some, it, so it's, it's probably between Valkyrie missile and a little's enough. I just don't really, I'm not into a little's enough. So I'll probably edge out and say a little, a little's enough is the one that I'm going to say is the worst oh. track on the record. Just okay. because. It doesn't really fit. It's right after the adventure, which is an unfortunate place to be. It almost feels like they knew it was, It might have been a little bit. And it, your story is very sweet, Kyle, but it's not enough to redeem it for me. So I think that's where I'm going. <laughs> the story hey, definitely made me like it a little hey, more. Made me like it more. Hey, it's not my story, guys. It's okay. Oh, touche. It's it's his that's story. That's true. Okay. Grower Not a Shower, what's the song you didn't like at first but you now love? Kyle. I think... I think I'm going to go with good day. And I think the reason is I remember like being younger and thinking this chorus is stupid. Like, I think I like today. I think it's good. Like, Oh, well way to go, bud. Some deep thoughts. And now as an adult, uh, you know, going through the grind daily, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. That so sad. I like this. <laughs> like, I kind of need this uplifting I think I like today. That's something I love about music, Uh, though, is that a song can mean something completely different to you two years later, a breakup later, 20 years later, having kids later, whatever the thing is, it really does change your perception of some of these things. Yep. Um, So I'm into that. I like that answer. Uh, Chris, what's what's yours? You know, I think for me, it's start the machine because... I think I was just kind of like exhausted by this album when I first got it. And so I, I don't, I feel like I very rarely made it to the end of the record. I just started like skipping through the singles. Um, but on, on listening to this week, that was one that stuck out to me um, more than any other song is just being like, Oh, it's a really well-crafted epic song. And it's not like a perfect single. Uh, I thought it's, it's place. It's not its job. It's just a, a great ending track. I love me's a great ending track because so often do the do the bands mess those up. Mm-hmm. Very true. They're not easy to do. Um, I, I struggled with this one. I think I'm this sounds really weird to say, but I think it's do it for me now. I know I put that also in my Desert Ooh. Island songs, but I don't Wait, think are we allowed to do one. that. Yeah, I think I mean, I guess it was not. I I specifically remember when when I listened to this record that I was not impressed by really anything until the adventure. 
the hmm. the first when this came out in 2006 and obviously that's just wrong now because i i mean i i picked it as my top three songs on it so i think that has to be as far as leaps and bounds of how much it grew uh it's got to be the winner but i i do agree yeah. with y'all's sentiment on those last two tracks um that i think i slept on those two a little bit but they just didn't go up to the level that do it for me now does um that's it for us uh we finally got this episode recorded uh despite children being sick and whatnot so thanks for being patient with us if you were being patient with us who knows um all the normal stuff you can email us info at finding email pod you can tweet us finding email pod you can instagram us finding email pod you can facebook all those things uh and i'd love to know your opinions especially on a contentious album like this one uh you tell us where we're wrong where we're right etc i think uh, the last episode we mentioned there's going to be a t-shirt for sale i think it's close yep did we yep. get it it's, on the it, it so the <laughs> i think so okay <laughs> um uh, i am like i'm locked out like for whatever reason my passwords aren't working on our websites right oh, now. oh technology and so and so blake b different blake oh, blake He's 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 getting it. He's gonna put it up there for us. So okay, well, uh, they're they're be looking for a t-shirt. Be checking it it's out. Coming. Yeah, we will we will get it on findingemopod.com when we have it, and we'll we'll tweet and put it on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So we are gonna come out with t-shirts. Um, if you're interested in you, grabbing one, you can you can wear it when people ask you what finding emo is. You can say it's this pop punk podcast I listen yeah, to. Yeah, that works too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you should know that uh, I, so we retweeted it from our Twitter account but um, Kyle has another business uh, he's an entrepreneur um, oh. extraordinaire uh, Be Me Up Scotties and they have a great yes. shirt they just released so it's true check yeah. that out um, well and that's where the Finding Emo shirt will be yes it'll be on that site eventually but we'll just hyperlink oh, through that's our right. site right. that's a segue um, yeah. yeah so that's it for us let us know um let us know your opinions on on our opinions, and uh, if you if you want to, you can also give us one of those five star reviews on iTunes. We we like those as well. It's actually not on iTunes anymore. It's on the podcast app, but I feel like everyone still yeah. says iTunes. Oh, okay, and I still say iTunes, which is probably like dating me seriously for anyone younger than me. It's like this old guy that keeps calling it iTunes. Give us five stars on your phone. Yeah, on your phone, wherever you choose to. Uh, That is it for us. We will catch you next time.